Welcome to the Life of Tea podcast. This is a series where we discuss the spiritual and philosophical aspects of tea and the life lessons and wisdom that grow out of such a practice. After all, tea lessons are life lessons. If you'd like to support our cause and keep these podcasts going, then visit globalteahut.org and sign up for our monthly ad-free magazine that covers all aspects of tea from growing, processing, and serving to the history, lore, ethnography, and even the spiritual aspects of the leaf. Every issue also comes with a tin of sustainably produced tea. Global Tea, of course, is also a community growing worldwide with a beautiful app for members that help you learn and grow together as well as join or even host tea events yourself. This podcast is devoted to Cha Dao as a way of life. If you're interested in the more linear aspects of tea, like the different genres, processing methods, science, or brewing methods and brewing tips, then check out our magazine or perhaps our YouTube channel, which is also called Global Tea Hut. There we have tons of videos, including a new brewing tea series where we do cover all the practical aspects of brewing tea. Of course, you can also come visit our free tea center here in Miaoli, Taiwan, Tea Sage Hut, where we offer two 10-day courses every month. Basically, this podcast isn't going to focus so much on the linear aspects of tea, the information about its processing, history, or brewing tips. It's going to focus instead on the life wisdom that comes from such a practice. Welcome to the second episode of Life of Tea podcast. As we say in our tradition, we don't learn to make tea, we learn to serve tea. In this episode, we're talking about service on this path of tea and some of the many lessons arising from it. I'm sitting here and drinking tea with Connor Goss, a true charge and the course manager here at the Tea Sage Hut. With his calm demeanor, focus, diligence and dedication to Cha Dao and service to others, he has been and continues to be an inspiration to many, including myself. So he's really a perfect person to talk to about the meaning of service. Welcome, Connor. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. So you were born and raised in um, Australia. And before we delve deeper into the topic um, of service, give us a quick backstory on how you came to be the course manager here at the TSH. Well, to become course manager here was very uh, unexpected. I, I came here about a year ago without the intention of being course manager. It was kind of, uh, I'd intended for a long time to come serve longer at the center, but there hadn't really been the space in my own life, the space here for that to, to occur. But about a year ago, um, it sort of happened that everything in my life kind of ended in one way or another. My job, my relationship, and all the commitments I had in Australia at that time. And there's also sort of happened to be a space at the center uh, when all the students had left, so there was a gap and there was also that need for some extra help from someone. So it's really a perfect opportunity aligned perfectly and here I am. But at that time, I didn't really know that I would eventually become course manager. That was a very like, gradual uh, thing that occurred. It was largely like unspoken until like one day like Ruda offered for me to be course manager if I wanted and I like I jumped at the opportunity. It was like perfect for me. 
put for me in the way that it allowed me to be challenged in ways that I hadn't previously mm-hmm. to find where my weak points are and then also to find where my strengths are. It's uh, been, I think, almost five months now that I've been course manager and in that time it's been perhaps the most challenging period of my life, but also the period of my life where I, I've experienced the most tremendous growth and uh, deepening of my practice with tea and then deepening in my orientation and relationship to the world around me, to my brothers and sisters here and to all those who come and sit, sit courses here at the center. It's uh, really transformed essentially my whole life. Mm-hmm. And at that moment when there was that offer, I didn't really anticipate that. It, I, it was a great opportunity, but it really, I think, fathom the vastness of it and kind of the trajectory it would set me upon, mm-hmm. which has seen me, grow and, seen me grow and change in ways that previously I wouldn't have thought possible, like that I would be uh, holding like nightly meetings where I'm meant to like direct the flow of it and I'm the one in charge for those. If someone had asked me maybe like a year or even two years ago, like would I have seen myself in that position? I would like very adamantly say no. Mm-hmm. Like to be in that position where there's a, a great responsibility and I'm kind of like one of position of some authority is something I never really fathomed, fathomed for myself. It is one of the areas of my life where I must continually work upon and to cultivate and grow through. And this position here has really allowed that. So originally you came to serve at the TCH hut for an unknown extent of time. You didn't, um, you didn't plan uh, a set period. Is that correct? Actually, no. I originally, I had kind of, after speaking with Wuda and um, Sean here, there was kind of like, a tentatively agreed upon like time frame of like six months and then I would kind of see, see how I felt, like whether I wanted to stay longer. That six months kind of came and went and then I realized I was going to be here much longer, <laughs> which um, I hadn't really like planned for. Like I kind of had this image in my mind that I would come serve at the center for six months and go back to Australia. But so happens that that's not what destinies aligned for me. Mm-hmm. I was going to be here a while longer. And really I'm incredibly grateful that that happened, that I was here and I, I'm still here in, in the sense that it's a lot of the lessons I've received and areas I've grown in haven't really occurred until like maybe like six months in mm-hmm. once I kind of get through a lot of the other uh, habit patterns and conditioning from the world and from my own upbringing that like I had to kind of work through that before I could even begin really like truly serve. I see. Yeah. So let's unpack this a little bit. What, in your opinion, what is service or what does service mean to you? Well, service to me, my orientation and understanding of service has changed uh, tremendously over the years. I would say before actually, like before discovering team, before kind of like coming to the center for the first time, I think three, maybe it was four years ago now, my idea of service was kind of like 
I think what most people consider service, I think, like helping out in the community, like volunteering, like an aged, aged home, looking after the elderly, kind of those kind of more stereotypical ideas or what service is. But then, like more recently, and like I've come to understand that service is really it's a way of life. Like tea and service are very closely intertwined especially like within our tradition where as as we often say that we don't learn to make tea we learn how to serve tea and that serving of tea is both like physically like serving tea like tea for people to drink and then also you can uh unpack that further and expand upon it and expands with every aspect of your life. It it is service to something greater than yourself, to the divine or to God or to, to whatever thing that you view as greater than like this body that you inhabit. Mm-hmm. And for for me that was a little bit confronting at first. Because like as like most people who like well for most people who grew up in the Western world and in the world as a whole our understanding of, of service, especially as it's something greater than ourselves, is kind of like miscued slightly. We always kind of serve, but or do things in a way that we, whether consciously or unconsciously, expect something in return. Mm-hmm. Like we expect that if we do this, like this, we help out someone or do something for someone that they in turn, then they are us something, which really is this, warped perspective of of service like very much in the act of like helping out someone that is payment in itself Mm -hmm. that is one of the greatest joys in his life the most pure joys at least at least that i've I've found in my years thus far is that it is perhaps the most like pure joy that i've ever experienced because it it's not born from joy that arises from satiation of like your desires or wants that fleeting sense of fulfillment and whatever it may be but it's it's this joy that stems from placing others and something greater than yourself before your own own desires Mm -hmm. to serve for the sake of service like to serve without expectations that you'll be that someone's going to give you something in return because then it, your orientation changes when there's that spoken or unspoken agreement that this service you are paid for. So ultimately I found that, especially in since becoming course manager and maybe in the last like four to five months I've discovered that, or discovered one of the reasons why why this path, this way of life is like so important for me is because it allows me to serve serve something greater than myself and in that you do find like true fulfillment because you're serving something that will be here for future generations mm-hmm. whereas if you are doing things purely for your own like selfish desires that like last maybe 30 seconds or a minute and then that fulfillment's gone mm-hmm. what it created is gone like it dissipates straight away Mm-hmm. Like the steam, like, as it rises from above tea, it'll dissipate and break down. Whereas that service to something greater, 
it accumulates, especially when you we live in a community where you have like like-minded brothers and sisters who all have that orientation towards serving something beyond themselves, beyond themselves and time and space. It, it's really a, a very profound honor. So true service, in other words, would be um, helping others without without the expectation of something in return. Am I correct? Yes, yes. Hmm. Um, one of the things that I was uh, curious about putting together this podcast, thinking of the questions that I'm going to ask you, is that there's almost an infinite number of opportunities to serve around the globe, from, like you said, like all persons' homes, hospices, to war zones, to different monasteries and ashrams and meditation centers. Um, why this community? Why um, Global Tea Hut? Or tea. Tea, of course. Um, I can kind of answer that, but then also I, there's part of me that cannot because some of it goes beyond what I can understand or really convey through words as I, I still haven't really understood it properly. But tea is my Tao, so this is the perfect place to, to serve. It's a tea center for students around the world, for people who want to come learn about tea. This is a place built specifically for that. Mm. It is essentially like an, an altar to, to tea. So it was really, it's a very natural decision. Like it didn't have to be made for me to come here to mm -hmm. serve. Because I get to drink tea every day and learn more about tea and serve tea. Like what more could I want? Right. So the first time you came here um, a few years ago, three, four years ago, did you immediately think that, wow, this is the place where I want to eventually come and serve? Absolutely. The, the first time I came here, actually, was a very, um, very different place to what it is now. Like, there was less structure in terms of how long guests could stay for. Like, I actually stayed for a whole month the first time I was here. Whereas now there's uh, two 10-day courses a month. Um, so it was a, it's changed a lot in the years, but even back then, then the experience I had, like the, the first moment I was here and the first moment I stepped in the door, I realized that one day I'm going to come in. I want to stay longer, but also that orientation to like, I want to come here longer or come here and stay longer. That is that orientations change a little bit over the years. Because we can kind of get caught up in the idea that if we were somewhere for longer periods of time, we will like learn more and grow more. But that's not always the case. Hmm. That can be a very like almost dangerous orientation to have because it creates this expectation that if I'm going to be here six months or a year in that time, I'll grow more and learn more than if I was here for like a month, which may not be the case. Mm -hmm. Really, it depends on like whether you show up and are open and really surrender yourself to serve. And, and it took me a few months when I didn't come here uh, last year. Like I think it took two months for me to kind of overcome that uh, poor orientation towards what it meant to like be here physically for me to then actually like show up more. At first, I thought like. I've been here like six months, so obviously I'm going to learn more and do more. But even if you are like physically doing more, like you're 
like cooking lunches and serving tea and teaching classes, if you're not actually really showing up in those occasions, you can't, you're obviously not going to benefit from it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, just, it goes in one ear and comes out the other. Right. It doesn't really serve you. So I found that my orientation has been incredibly important. And it was like, and it, as with anything in life, it, it kind of, that balance kind of is a little bit rocky at times. Mm-hmm. It's true balance is unattainable. Um, at least I've found my own experience is that when you balance it for a point in time, then it, something else will slip and then you will focus over there and you're always kind of trying to maintain balance, um, which is a practice in its, within itself. Mm-hmm. Because there can be periods of time where you may not show up as much as you want to, or that you should, but then we still kind of kind of double down and really focus and try and work through whatever's whatever kind of whatever wall or barriers preventing you from showing up. And in my case, it's largely been like my conditioning from my childhood, because. Mm-hmm the perceived notion that I can be or that I'm shy or quiet that that is kind of was one of the first like major barriers for me in being here and just like serving and showing up properly it was I had to like overcome the idea that that Connor is shy or he's quiet like, which then maybe like one one grain of sand of truth in that mm-hmm. but ultimately that is like that's just another construct and the kind of identity that you can choose or not choose to to wear. And once I ever worked through that and understood that, I was able to show up more and learn more and ultimately like step into that position as course manager. Because mm-hmm. I think if I, in the past, if I had the slightly different orientation and I was identifying too much with being like shy or I would have like the idea of being course manager would have terrified me. I would have said no, which I'm incredibly grateful that that was not the case. Mm. So when you talk about showing up more um, or truly showing up, what does that feel like, or or what you know? Can you um, unpack that a little bit as well? For me, really to show up is for you to like to just be here in this moment, not to have any like expectations of what's going to happen or not being caught up in what may happen in the future or, or what has happened but like to be in this moment fully surrendered like, as a uh, as an instrument of of this center and this tradition since stepping in that position of course manager i've come to understand that really i'm just an instrument of of this place and the more I get out of the way, the same as the more you get away when you get out of the way when you brew tea, mm-hmm. the more that like that tea can show up. So the more you like go of and surrender, the more you can be like open to receiving whatever lesson is there in front of you. Because often we have countless like layers of resistance or layers of what we perceive as protection, but only that's kind of like this barrier between between uh, an opportunity for growth 
and kind of our selfish desire to like cling on to what we identify as. So if we let go of that and surrender to, to this moment, then we can receive that lesson or that teaching and hopefully if we persevere, like become it. But those words are, as with all words, they kind of, they can really point in the direction. There's no way to like, to describe what it means to show up because it'll be different for every person. Mm-hmm. There'll be maybe like a structure around which that can be exp- well, there's a structure there, but ultimately it is we simply show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess like you said, the, there's different ways of, of showing up and for each person it's a little bit different. And it's more of like a feeling that I feel that I can show up more or now I've, I've truly shown up this, this time. So it's kind of hard to put in words. Mm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, so you, you mentioned like lessons. Um, what, um, I'm also interested, what are the most valuable lessons services taught you? Oh, there's a boatload. The, I may try and, uh, expandable maybe three three main lessons that I've received since like, being at the center and serving uh, these ones I've found they've like, really transformed my my life and my practice and allowed me to become more who I want to be like who other like my brothers and sisters deserve to serve alongside them not clinging to like what makes me feel comfortable and that kind of touches on the first lesson which is the first lesson which is perhaps the greatest in the sense that it's allowed me to almost like fundamentally reorientate myself in my life and that that's around like responsibility because in the past i've had a uh, poor orientation towards like responsibility and what that means like what it means to take responsibility for for your own actions and your own uh, own life. Because unfortunately I've grown up in a generation where most of us don't understand like how to be responsible, how to be accountable for our own actions and decisions and our own failures and mistakes. We kind of like shove it off to the side and try and point the finger anywhere but our own self. Hmm. Whereas I've come to learn that when you do take a responsibility for your own mistakes, that really allows you to digest that that uh, lesson, like that lesson of, of why you failed in that instance and to grow from it. Because if you don't take a responsibility for that mistake, then how are you going to grow from it? Mm-hmm. It's just going to accumulate and be another like missed opportunity to to grow. Either it may make you feel like intensely uncomfortable in that moment. It uh, has far greater benefit than a brief moment of fear or feeling uncomfortable. And that's been especially important for me in being in this position as course manager because I've no like previous training in like being a course manager or any of that like it's a completely new new realm for me like 
act was kind of a bit clueless at first. So obviously there was a, a lot of mistakes made. And I'm not saying that I probably took accountability and responsibility as much as I should have. There's, there's obviously occasions where I could have, if I had have chosen the path of feeling uncomfortable, like taking responsibility for that mistake and growing from it, whereas I kind of chose to cling on to what I felt as allowed me to stay the same. Because we often, at least this is my experience, that often I will, I struggle a little bit to like, like step into those, that inferno of change and transformation. Like I'm very comfortable. Mm. At times it remain the same. Shy away a little bit yeah. from responsibility. Exactly. And that's in the past being one of my greatest like failures, I, and that, I suppose, is that I've shied away from opportunities that would come with like great responsibility and great opportunity for growth, but I'd rather just kind of bugger off into the forest and drink tea, <laughs> which doesn't serve me. It, nor does it serve tea, really. It, it kind of serves my own like selfish desires to not be around anyone, not to be responsible for anything. Do you think that's necessary sometimes, though? Just like going out into the forest for a couple of days and, and taking that time and, and re recharging your batteries and, and then, then going back? Oh, absolutely. Right. Uh, periods of retreat from the world are fundamentally important for for you, your own well-being and your practice. In that period of time, away, away from everything, like in that period of like stillness and silence, in nature or in a monastery or wherever it may be, it allows you to digest um, what may have like accumulated like lessons and experiences that just gradually accumulate one by one. Mm -hmm. Because like you're so in, in the flow of things or in the rhythm that you have the space to like, fully digest some things. Like you consume it, but it kind of remains like partially digested, but not completely. So those periods of retreat are very, very important. I feel. But I often, as one of my many character defects, is to lean into that too much and kind of want to retreat for long periods of time. Like far more than is necessary to like digest or to recharge or, or to um, gain new perspective. You mentioned you had three main lessons you, you want to touch upon. You we spoke about one. What are the other two? So the second lesson in, that I've received in being here at the center and serving for the last year has been that my understanding of what it means to be free has changed tremendously that the idea that like freedom is freedom to kind of choose what you want to do in each moment in the day to choose like what you want to do as opposed to like what you should do so um like to choose or create like time in each day for yourself like free time to like this is the time when i'm going to look after my own self or, or whatever it may be, or do a hobby or something that is purely like for your own, own self, I guess, that, that in essence is selfish, like, it has no like, overall benefit to, uh, to others. And I've found that 
in being here, like this space kind of forces you to, to surrender, to let go of that attachment to like your own wants and desires and time to do things for yourself. Because it, it's a, it can be a very busy place, hmm. especially during courses where we, we work like 12 hour days. And in that time, maybe like five, 10 minutes here or there, we can like, like stop, breathe and maybe have a, a mug of tea or lay, <laughs> lay down for like 10 minutes and like we'll sit outside in the sun. But there's not really time to kind of, for you to squander and create this like this divide in the day where this is Conestine, this is where I'm going to do what I want to do as opposed to what I should be doing. Uh, it's allowed me to to reorientate myself towards what freedom really is. So really true freedom is freedom from our own desires or own wants, where we are like perfectly happy in this moment to, to serve these beautiful human beings that come in from around the world each month for 10 days and come to learn about tea and meditation and what really like in that moment, what more could you want? Like, why do you want to create time for yourself in that day when you'll be serving these beautiful human beings who you get to watch like grow over that 10 days that they can come with like the seeds of this love and joy for tea. And then you watch it kind of grow like a tree, kind of like sprouts with the earth. And then over the 10 days, it's water and receives nutrients. And by the end, it's like this beautiful, beautiful, thing really to see these people's lives like changed in that period of 10 days to see like how beneficial it is for the to surrender and find joy in and let go of your own wants and just to be there to like serve those human beings those brothers and sisters who have come here for tea for for the intentions of like learn more about tea to create a relationship and practice around tea and there's a great freedom that can be found in when when you do let go of any perceived notions of what you want to or what you want to desire for in a day and let go of that and surrender to the the rhythm of the day here schedule it's something that i mention each time during the orientations of the first day of the courses is that one of the greatest things you can do whilst in the course is to surrender to the schedule, not to fight the schedule, but to surrender to it and enjoy and love it. Love the fact that there's group meditations each morning and evening, there's group meals and lessons, and that your day is kind of planned and structured already for you. And all you have to do is let go and drop right into that. And often when I do give that orientation and mention that, like it's always that, very beneficial reminder for my own self to to surrender more and because you can always surrender more when you think you're kind of at the point where you're fully surrendered there's still there's still ways to go there's always always more you can like let go of to like fully be here and to to drop into that sense of freedom that comes from there being a structure because that's another thing with freedom is that we think of it as the 
absence of like, responsibilities or things that we, must be done. Like freedom is when we're free, we don't have to work anymore or do anything. We can go off and live on an island and wake up whenever we want and eat whenever we want and satiate ourselves in whatever way and live kind of this really this empty existence. What joy can you find in, in that? A brief joy, maybe? A very transient joy, I, I feel. Whereas when there's a structure, like when you wake up at a certain time and you sit for meditation or whatever your practice may be, there's, there's a great freedom in that. To just be in that moment and to meditate or drink tea. And then also to then welcome those moments where there's work or service, there's joy and freedom to be found in that as well. Like, it was really true freedom is to, to like embrace more and more responsibilities, more work, and to like view that as reward within itself. The re- not for the reward to be to go off somewhere and escape that for a period of time then come back but the reward is that you're given new responsibilities and you have this great opportunity to show up and in those responsibilities to serve and to with your own like body and physical body and your heart and your soul and every part of your being down to like the marrow of your bones so like give yourself completely and as an offering to, to the divine, to, to tea, there's no greater freedom to be found than that, no greater joy than to kind of, to give yourself completely and have no like, expectation that you'll get anything in return. Hmm. But to, to give for the sake of giving, like to serve for the su- sake of service. Mm-hmm. That's definitely a beautiful thought. And the, the third lesson? The third lesson that I've received in being here at the center of the last year and seven has been around discipline and the importance it plays in your practice and your life and and really that there's no no kind of limit to how disciplined you can be in a sense. Discipline not in the sense that you go like beyond what your physical capacity is and you like hurt yourself, but discipline in the sense that you both like have that deep drive to to like, sit and practice each day, whether it be meditation or tea and to create that space and and maintain that space, regardless of like whatever fleeting internal storm you may experience or physical discomfort. But then also to, like, to understand your own physical and mental capacity and to work within that, understand that there are times where you're going to need to like, step back and like rest. You don't want to put your head down and go crazy, like, go all the way without like pausing and like taking mental no- internal note of how you are, how you feel and how your body is. But also you don't want to be too soft and relaxed. Like as in meditation, like it's important to be relaxed, but also have like some tension. 
So the same is true for like your, your practice. It's a important reminder for me as well that that as part of my practice of tea is that I should have like balance and discipline plays a very important part in that because it can be all, all too easy like to sit and drink like bowl tea every every day. Like I love bowl tea, like it's great. Really go over everything and just sit and drink tea, like sit with the tea and let go of expectations and how the tea should be brewed or how it should taste or that all this is washed away. But there's also importance in cultivating that other side of a practice of tea is like the linear side of having greater refri- refinement and uh, sensitivity, which only comes if you were disciplined. Like you need to cultivate both sides, and if you let go of that discipline, it can be too easy to like go either way. Well, that's at least what I've found in my my practice. So you've talked a little bit about the valuable lessons you've gained uh, during your time here at, at the TCH Hut um, serving. It's interesting to me that in this day and age, most people want to be leaders and influencers and not many people talk about service. What made you choose service over like a more conventional lifestyle with a career? Was that choice easy to make to, to come here and, um, and serve instead of like look for another job or or um, start uh, a career? For me, it, at least I feel it came like, very like, easily and naturally. I, I, I've never had the inclination to be like in the spotlight or to have like that conventional tra- trajectory in your life. Right? I've never really found joy or fulfillment in that. Like even very like early on in like my first jobs, I realized like, or notice that there's something missing in that job. Like, yeah, it paid the bills and it, it was it was something, but it wasn't really towards something greater. Like, it was ultimately just like to earn a check to then like sustain other aspects of my life, like whatever that may be. So to come here it was very easy. I just had to kind of like lean into it a little bit. And for me, there's always kind of like, I like to kind of like not be in the spotlight at all. I would like to think that when I'm long dead and all memory of me is gone in this world, that whatever I I work towards in this life, it doesn't have my name on it. Whatever is left over is just one more brick when the foundations of, of something greater, which is like this, this tradition and this lineage and this place. And I don't want that to have my name on it. I don't want to be any association with that it that came from like Connor, that all the sense of fulfillment comes from the fact that it is for the benefit of others and benefit of future generations, not that it's going to gain me popularity or some status in the world all that disappears like in the blink of an eye mm. like you can be fired from a job or you can whatever it may be it will disappear whereas what this place offers when you come in to serve no matter for how long it is 
that is towards something that will far outlast your brief life, that will continue to serve countless beings, countless brothers and sisters, countless charging. Yeah, that was very easy for me to, to choose. Was there anything you had to give up to be here? A few things, for sure. There's always, always things let, let go of before coming here. Thankfully for me that, as I mentioned earlier, is that everything had kind of ended in my life right up to the moment coming here. Like, so I was relatively cut loose to come here without attachments to my life back home. However, I'm also like very, very steeped in the land of and energy of Australia. Like I love that place so much. Mm -hmm. So for me, what I gave up was that like direct physical connection to the landscape and the nature, to the like many birds, like kookaburras and snakes, whatever it may be like that was incredibly difficult to give up because my whole life has been in that place, that landscape, and a lot of my own like personal practice and belief and orientation in the world has arisen from that uh, dialogue with with the landscape in Australia, with the bush. So to be away from that, whatever time that may be, is was incredibly difficult, and so is. There are always moments when I kind of long to be like in the bush in Australia but those do disappear like when you like step back and see why you're here thankfully I'm still relatively young so I can I can go back to Australia and be there and come back here and and still kind of maintain that connection but that was really the only major thing that I had to like let go of before coming here I wouldn't say I really did a great job of letting go of it. Like it, that was hard to, and it's always hard to kind of let go of completely. Because so much of my identity was built around that idea of, of growing up in Australia, in that landscape. So much was in, of my orientation was informed from that, so to let go of that is hard. I'm also grateful that I have had the opportunity to be away from that place because it's allowed me to grow in unexpected ways. Do you feel that it has actually even like strengthened your connection to that land and, and made you appreciate it even more? Oh, of course. As with all things, distance only makes, only strengthens the connection. If it's like true connection, otherwise it will disappear. Mm. But I definitely feel like more connected now than I did before to to the. Uh, the Australian landscape to the bush because I've had a, a wider, more balanced perspective of the world. Like I've lived somewhere else now for a period of time and can kind of feel into the different rhythms of places and see like what different places bring out of me, like where they challenge me and how they inform my growth, how they nourish me. So it's definitely strengthened that connection. All right. Let's also talk about a little bit about what your day looks like when the courses are on. Oh boy. The, the average day here is, can be quite, quite intense. 
usually I'll be up by 5 a.m. Depending on like what the day will look like, whether or how busy I'll be, I'll try and like sit for tea for half an hour, an hour to still like practice tea. Um, then usually I'll do some computer work for half an hour, an hour, respond to emails and then get ready for our group meditation each morning. And that kind of goes into like whether I'll, I mean, chatong during tea to help with the, assist with the water or, and maybe in the kitchen, whether that be like cooking breakfast or lunch. And then that kind of it's naturally progresses into the afternoon where I facilitate, oh, I look after a lot of the afternoon service periods, whether it be picking pine needles out of a rock bed or ferment, fermentation, like making kombucha and sauerkraut. Or my favorite, which is having the guests clean the third floor. Perhaps that's more enjoyable for me than it is for them. Um, and that transitions like afternoon tea classes, which usually I, I teach, which is always like a really great opportunity for me to, to, uh, to like learn and grow because often I feel that I learn more than they do. So it allows me to like repeat those foundations of, of basics of tea more with more repetitivity and they become like more natural. So at first there's always like a little bit of force in a way and then the more you do it, the more you become it. So it's been great to see like how my own, my own like personal tea practice has changed since like teaching the afternoon classes. And then usually there's a period between afternoon classes and even meditation where I will do many other responsibilities I must do, which is usually like computer work again or taking care of the fermentation area. And then there's even a meditation and we have a group meeting afterwards and that's it. And then usually I'm in bed by midnight, which is perhaps a little bit naughty of me. Why is it naughty? Well, I know that I should get more sleep than five hours, but oftentimes I cannot help but like pick up a book and read for a little bit. Okay, so you've been here at the TSH Hut a little over a year now. Um, in what ways do you anticipate your life will be different once you go back to Australia? I've actually been trying to, th- I've had given that some thought recently and to be honest, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to be different. Like, it's almost impossible to fathom to be somewhere else. And I, I do know that there's a lot underneath the service of like my own inner world that will kind of mature and come forth like when I have time to digest it properly. There's a lot that I think will come up when I do go back, but there's no real vision or expectation of what it'll be like. I would just continue to serve tea in whatever capacity. Any uh, suggestions for people thinking about devoting a period of, of their life to um, service to others, whether it be here in the TSH hut or somewhere else. The best advice I could perhaps give would be just go for it. Right? If you have the opportunity to like devote a period of your life to, to service, even if it's like three months or six months or a year or five years or 10 years, I don't know the time, just go for it and give all 
pour yourself to that service, surrender completely, and serve for the sake of service, and you'll find such infinite oceans of joy within that. All right. Thank you, Connor. Thank you very much for having me. If you'd like to support us and help keep these podcasts going, you can go to globaltihad.org and subscribe to the monthly ad-free magazine we publish that covers all aspects of tea, from linear information on processing and brewing tea to the lore and history and also the spiritual and the community aspect. Also be sure to check out our YouTube channel called Global Tea Hut, where we discuss more practical aspects of tea, like different brewing methods and other ways to improve your tea practice. Join us in the next episode, where I sit down with the longest serving student here at Tea Sage Hut, Shen Tzu, to discuss the importance of cleaning in Chadao.